Well, in your bulletin, you'll find a study guide uh, for our discussion today. We make our way back to Psalm 119. We're working our way through Psalm 119. And this truly is a remarkable chapter. There's 176 verses in this chapter. It's uh, broken down into eight verse segments by the author. That wasn't something that was done later. And so there's 22 sections in this chapter And interestingly, every verse except two mentions the Word of God in it. So then this truly is a chapter that's all about the Bible. When we call it this, that's the title of our series. When we call it that, truly it is exactly what it says. This chapter is all about the Bible. It's a discussion about God's Word. Now we know... That uh, in this day and time in which this was written, he was primarily referring to the first five books of the Bible. We, however, now have the entire canon of God's written word to us. And therefore, when we discuss it, we're not just discussing the first five books of the Bible. We're including it all in our application. Now, that's not something that's done all the time because of the direction of the text, the direction of the study. But just for your understanding, I think it's appropriate to make application to the entire Word of God when dealing with this particular chapter. You will excuse me for sitting again. The the swelling in my my leg keeps me a little bit uh, to where I'm better off sitting. So uh, hopefully that won't be a a problem uh, when you're listening and watching. Well, David, in this particular section, now we're in the third part of Psalm 119, David brings us to a very important discovery. And uh, he's talking about problems. Now, David has certainly had his share of problems. We'll get into that a little bit as we move through the study. But David is talking primarily about the problems of of people who wish to do him harm, people who wish to bring him down, who wish to destroy what God has established. And through the process of this, David, being an amazing man of God, brings us to a conclusion, brings us to a point of saying, okay, here's what I intend to do as a result of my enemies. And I tell you what, if you're a person who's dealing with problems right now, Particularly if you're dealing with problems with other people. People that seem to be difficult to get along with. That seem to be trying to bring you down. If you're dealing with issues like that. Then I can assure you that this particular study is going to bring you to a life changing place. If you will make application to what's being taught here. Okay. So let's walk through it. So there's four thoughts that David shows us. And it's all... I believe very personal to him. He begins by showing us his plea. And notice, first of all, David says, here's my plea. At verses 17 and 18, David says, speaking to God, Be good to your servant, that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Now, to set the stage, you need to understand... That this entire study today is about dependence upon God. 
David is bringing our thoughts and our minds to a place to where we see that every aspect of our spiritual lives and in fact every aspect of life itself is totally dependent upon God. He begins by saying, be good to your servant. Now if you, if you don't look at this properly, you can look at it from a couple of different ways. And it may even be that the way you would address it is to say, oh, okay, I see how this is. David is coming at this from a sense of entitlement. God, I'm the king. I'm an important person. People come and, and they bow down before me. So, so God, I'm, I'm telling you that I need you to be good to me. Sense of entitlement. You could say, well, he's looking at this and saying, because I have done such and such in the past, therefore, God, you need to be good to me. And yet, if you study Psalm 119, and in fact, you study all of the writings of David throughout the book of Psalms, and you study what's said about David in Kings and in Chronicles and in Samuel. You, you study what's been said about this incredible person. You come to understand very quickly that that's not his attitude. No. In fact, what David is doing here is pleading. He's begging God for his friendship. He's begging God for his favor to be upon him. David understands very clearly that he has not earned the right to tell God anything. <laughs> David understands, in fact, that he is totally dependent upon God. God, I can't do this for myself, therefore, I'm begging you to do it for me. Total dependence upon God. And what was it that was in his mind? He said, I'm begging you, be good to your servant that I may live. That I may live. It kind of seems strange, doesn't it? And yet David could not add a single second to his life. He had absolutely no ability to add another breath to the end of his existence. Nothing he could do. David understood how completely dependent he was upon God. David understood that if he was to continue living, that would be the mercy of God. Because in fact, David, like all people, had forfeited his right to life. The Bible says, by one man, sin entered the world. And death came as a result of sin because all have sinned. As a result of our sin, Romans 6.23 says that the wages or the payment or the penalty of our sin is death. And so we understand that there's been a forfeiture of, of life itself because of the sin or the rebellion that we have committed against God. We have forfeited our right to live. And yet God in His mercy and His kindness extends life. To give us an opportunity to know His Son. To know the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And to come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. God has extended that kindness to us. David understanding that he could not do it for himself. pleased to God. God, I beg you. To be good to me and extend my life. And then he adds a condition to it. Extend my life for the purpose 
of obeying your word. Wow. It wasn't that David said, extend my life because there's some things I really want to do. Extend my life because there's some places I want to go, some places I want to see before I die. Extend my life because I really want to build my bank account a little bit bigger or I really want to be in a bigger house or a nicer car or whatever the case may be. This is something I really desire. I want you to extend my life for this reason. No, that's not what he said. David said, I want you to extend my life so that I may honor you by obeying your word. It's remarkable. Who would ever think about saying that to God? David's a unique person. Man after God's own heart. God, be good to me. And give me life so that I may obey your word. And then in verse 18. Man, the incredible thoughts that come from this particular passage just keep flowing. Verse 18 Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. This is what Romans chapter 12 calls a, a renewal of the mind. A making new of the thoughts. Because it's not in man's mind to think that there is anything necessarily wonderful about the Word of God. I mean, it's a set of rules that are there in order to keep me from having fun, right? It's so restrictive and yet David had grown in his relationship with God. He'd grown into a knowledge of what God was teaching in the Word to come to an understanding that this Word, this Bible, is full of wonderful truths that David desperately needed to know. And so he said, open my eyes. You see, upon... The sinning of man. When sin entered into the world, there was a veil that covered the eyes of man. The Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. It's foolishness to those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. To those who are not part of the family of God. It's, it's complete and utter foolishness. Because there's something blinding them from the wonderful truths that are contained in the Word of God. And David is saying, I want you, God, to remove the veil. I want, you to, I want you to take it away. Yes, you removed part of it upon salvation. But as I continue to dig into your word, I want you to continue to move it back. So that every time I get into your word, there's an oh, ah moment. Look at what God said. What an incredible Incredible person. And so David says, here's my plea, God. Give me life so that I may obey your word. And give me insight. Give me the ability to see the wonderful truths that are contained in your instructions. And why? Well, number two, your second feeling is because, David said, because of my situation. Number two, my situation. Verses 19 and 20, David tells us his situation that, by the way, continues into point number three. He said, I'm only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commandments from me. I'm always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. 
So here's his thought process. I am not at home here. So many times we are at work to build our home here. And it's our goal, it's our, it's our life's ambition to build our bank accounts and to build our possessions because we believe that life is here. It's the here and now that matters. When the Bible was teaching us all the time that this is just a, this is just a passing off point. This is just a, a waiting place where we are sojourners. We are not residents of this world. It's simply a place that is intended to grow and to train us and to prepare us for what is to come next. And what is to come next is amazing. It's incredible. David says, I am just a sojourner here. And so as a result, it's very likely because I'm prone to wonder as we saw in the last section. He says, God, do not allow me to wander from your word. Once again, the dependency upon God. God, do not allow me to wander from your word. I'm prone to that. I'm a human. I have a sin nature. God, don't allow that to happen in my life. Keep me in the center of your will. Keep me in this perfect place of protection and blessing and peace and joy and satisfaction. Keep me here. And the only way you can do that is by teaching me your commandments. What I want is while I'm in this world for you to teach me, to instruct me, so I know how to please you here. Because I'm prone to wonder. I don't want to do that. I don't want to upset my caretaker. I don't want to upset my God. I don't want to upset my Savior. I don't want to bring shame upon you. So I want you to teach me. Don't hide your commandments from me. While you're taking the veil off. Take it off in this area. Where I can see the proper way to live while I'm here. Because the desire for your word, here it comes again, is overwhelming to me. Who says that? How many times in your life have you ever said, the desire for the word of God is overwhelming to me? But did you know that that's what the word of God is all about? There's something about getting into God's Word where we learn. The veil is removed from God's children. And He continues to roll back additional flaps so that our vision becomes bigger. and So that we can see deeper into the Word of God and we learn more. And As we apply those things to our life, amazing things begin to happen. God brings peace and joy. As I was talking to you last week about the... The, the fear that I had experienced as a result of the blood clot in my leg. One of the greatest things God did for me was take me to His Word. And through the part, part of which I would go into the Word of God, God began to strengthen and encourage my life. God began to show me things that brought a removal of the fear, a removal of the anxiety from my life. 
And God restored something to me that was so precious. That is more precious now than it was before. And that was that peace of God in my life. What an amazing concept. That I could dig into God's word and learn and apply. And it would cause me to want to dig more. To learn more. To apply more. And the cycle continues. The wonderful truths of God's instructions. David is saying, you cannot hide those from me. I need that. I'm overwhelmed by desire for that. I need it more and more and more. And why? Number three. David says, because of my enemies. Because of my enemies. Now, while this is not what this whole passage is about, the enemies of David, certainly plays a role. David tells us in... Uh, chapter 119 verses 21 through the first part of 23 he says you rebuke the arrogant those who wander from your commands are cursed don't let them scorn or insult me for I have obeyed your laws even princes sit and speak against me now David knew what it was to have enemies you may recall that when he was a young man, the king at that time became so jealous of David that on two separate occasions he took his spear and threw it at David intended to pin him to the wall. That's not the kind of guy you want to be your best friend. But even worse than that, then he gathered the armies of Israel to hunt down David. This young man, he brought the armies, Saul, brought the armies of Israel out into the wilderness to find David so that he could kill him. Man, David knew what it was to have enemies. And when the verse says that even princes sit and speak against me, David had experienced this as well, hadn't he? I mean, David had gone from... From ruling to having now one of his sons turn on him and get enough people in Israel to revolt with him that David had to flee Israel in order to prevent Israel from having to go through a civil war. David was running for his life along with those who were loyal to him. David knew what it was to have enemies. And you say, well, okay, so here we go to that entitlement scenario again, right? I mean, because David was king, then he shouldn't have any enemies, right? And so you're saying just because someone disagreed with David, then, then uh, that makes them wrong and he's right somehow. The truth of the matter is this, that David was God's appointed man. God had put David into this position. God had established his kingdom. And so anyone then that would turn on David was actually turning on God's 
decision. And so, yes, if they were countering David, if they were turning on David, if they wanted to kill David, then in essence what they were doing was rebelling against God. And so, you rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. But David, in being such an incredible man of God, begins to view this whole thing in a way that most of us would never consider. In fact, let me just give you the fourth thing. And by the way, don't put your notes up. There may be some things you're going to want to jot down. David shows us number four. He says, here's my resolve. Here's my resolve. Here's what I intend to do. Now most of us would look at what was going on in David's life. and We would look at the enemies that wanted to kill him. Those that were hunting him down. And we would say, you know what, he's king. Therefore, if I was in his position, my resolve would be to make sure... That those evil people got what they deserved. I'm going to hunt them down. And I'm going to kill them. You say, well, you're a very kind-hearted man, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just brutally honest. In that day, things were a little bit different than it is today. People saw things a little bit differently than they do today. and It would have been nothing for the king to say, those people are speaking against me. They're trying to create a coup in the land and therefore they must be put to death. And it would have been done. David. What an amazing person. David looked at this completely different. He, notice, if you will, the, the end of verse 23 and verse 24. The first of verse 23 says, even princes sit and speak against me. And then he says, but here's what I'm going to do. I will meditate on your decrees. Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. Now I can tell you what, when, it, when we look at this, for many of us, we say that doesn't even fit. I mean, where would he come up with that? These people are trying to kill him. They're talking badly about him. Why would he say something like that? I mean, vengeance needs to be done here. You going to talk about me? Well, I'll make sure that everybody hears about you as well. Sound familiar? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to criticize me? Well, I know some dirty secrets on you too. That would be normal, right? Might be normal, but it wouldn't be godly, and it wouldn't be right. So what does David do? You know what? God, I see what's happening to those who have turned against you, those who've rebelled against your commandments, and instead of Instead of being one that wants to get even, I'm going to leave that up to you. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And what I want to do in the process is I want to learn through this. I want to see what's happening to them. I want to see them under your rebuke. And I want to see 
them facing judgment. Not because I want to see them judged, but because I just want to learn what I don't ever want to do. I want to know your word. I want to stay focused on you. And therefore, as a result, what my enemies do and say really shouldn't have an influence on me. It really shouldn't matter because... The truth is, when we were born into the family of God, we become property of God. We've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, and therefore we are no longer our own. I don't have rights over myself. God has rights over me now. And with that being the case, God is also the one who cares for me. He takes care of me. He protects me. He provides for me. That's all God's business now. It's not mine. And because God loves me more than I can love myself, because God knows me more than I can know myself, because God is caring for me in the absolute best way possible, then I know whatever happens in my life is absolutely the best. My enemies may think, they have control over that. They may think that they are going to do me in. They do not have that right. They do not have that privilege. That's in God's hands. And as a result, David says, you know what? I, I have no reason to dwell on that. I have no reason to waste my time thinking about what they're doing, saying, or planning to do. Instead, what I want to do is invest in something that really matters. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to meditate on your word, God. I'm going to invest my time in your word. I'm going to think about what you have to say to me. And I'm going to watch you peel back the layers of that veil so that your word continues to come alive. So that my vision is expanded. So that I see more and more of the wonderful truths contained in the Bible. So that in the end, I can live to obey your word. You know, I've said it several times, David is truly an amazing person. And while he's had a heart from the time we see him as a child in the field, a heart for God, it's not something that just happened. It's something that came through growth, through maturity. Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, that is. And that comes through the Word of God. And when you understand where David's maturity and growth came from, it's much easier to understand how David would say, I am overwhelmed by a desire for your Word. So what do we do with this information? You know, I hope that it's plain as it can be. 
that for those of us who are facing problems, it really doesn't matter what the problem. David is specifically talking about enemies and those who wish to do him harm. That may very well be what's going on in your life. You may have that person at work that for some reason is just taking a disliking to you and has no problems with letting you know it on every given occasion. Your problem may be physical, may be spiritual, may be relational, it may be financial. But regardless, what God is calling our hearts to today is to bring us to the place to where we understand that we cannot focus on the problem. We cannot allow the problem to become God in our lives. We've got one that already fills that position. And God is much bigger than our problems every single time in every single way. He is the one who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So then why would my eyes, why would my heart, why would my attention be on my problem? Not that I don't acknowledge there's a problem. Not that I don't do what I can to correct the problem. But I don't dwell on it. It does not own me. It does not control me. I focus my heart. And I focus my mind. On God and His Word. And when I do that. There is a peace that floods my soul that is not found any other way. One final response to the question, what would I do with this information? If you do not know Christ as Savior, it is my prayer that today you're seeing a little bit about what you're missing. That it's not what the media presents it to be there's so much more to a relationship with Christ than you will ever know because it, it grows as we do it's amazing and so what would you do with this information my prayer is that today you will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and how do you do that and there's no magic formula to it. But I can tell you that in God's Word, it spells it out very clearly. And we would love to walk you through that information. If you don't know for sure, if you died right now, you would go to heaven. Then my invitation to you is, when we stand in just a moment, for you just to make your way to the aisle that's closest to you and just meet me right here at the front. If I'm busy, our other pastors are here. They'll be ready to talk to you as well. What we want to do is not get you to join anything or sign up for anything. We just simply want to give you some information that we consider to be extremely valuable. And we think will benefit you in a great way. If you'd like to know more, then would you just come and meet us here?